Yeah. Oh yeah. Smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Magic beans, magic beans. Flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean? What you mean? Grab control and make it time. Do you read? Do you read? Smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Every day, never taking breaks, killing myself. Addicted to the gold, only focused on wealth. Still slide to my nine to five. Just to buy the time till I'm on the rise. Passing off, I'm not asking off. This ain't frat rap tell the haters fuck off. I'm shining, so blinded. That's a vibe who got no diamonds, broke boy. Got nothing in my wallet. Spend on my green, on the green quite often. Still flawless, stand tall and say fuck it to me. Face calling, time to ride the wave, override the shade. Inhale the haze, have a lovely day. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9. Oh, Lord, what a summer. Did we have a summer? I don't even know. Did we even have a summer? It's like we just had this nondescript period where shit got really hot. So, yes, trying to get back to getting at least one episode out at least every month. Uh, Since the last episode, I had a bit of a snafu. I had a mild heart attack and uh, had to have a uh, heart cath, three stents, blah, blah, blah. But the good news is I'm feeling wonderful now and uh, just trying to put rest of life in order and get back on track with everything. But uh, that's been my life for the last couple weeks. So how are all of you doing? You never write anymore. You never tell me how you're doing. But uh, we got a good show for you. I wanted to do something a little bit different, so I invited my friend Teresa back from my college days, 127 years ago, I'm pretty sure, something like that. And she comes on, and we're going to ramble about everything from radioactive trash beaches and uh, what else do we do? Uh, Area 51 jets and original vampires, and people coming back to life in in the uh, funeral parlor, and we're going to talk about Jetpack Man, and things like that. So uh, it's good to be back here, good to be at the mic again, and at my really cluttered desk, and I hope you enjoy this show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome, and uh, sit back, relax, and listen to Teresa and I ramble on for a bit. It's a little bit longer show this time, but I think you'll all enjoy it. And uh, I'll see you on the other side.
Hey everyone, uh, welcome to whatever episode this is. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> How am I going to even figure out what episode this is? I honestly don't even know. I don't even know what episode this is. Seven, eight, nine? I don't know. I'll look when I edit, right? But uh, a little treat on the show. I actually have a co-host. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Thanks uh, for inviting me to your show. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't talked in 30 years. You should might, might as well do my show, right? Yeah, and you know, really not changed. Not much has changed in 30 years, no. really. I mean, we have talked. It's not like, you know, I just found yeah. you yesterday, but uh, I'm just like, I'm going to grab Teresa and make her do a show, and we can talk about weird crap together. And Yeah, people are always doing that to introverts, trying to get them to <laughs> participate in things. I used to be this huge extrovert, and then I don't know what happened. I got old. Life just happened. People happened. <laughs> it did. And then COVID happened and gave me excuse to stay inside more. So it was, it's kind of, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to go to the brewery. There's going to be, like, people there. You know what? They, yeah. they need to have, like, when you go over to Italy, and it, I don't even know where I am right now. Spain. Mm-hmm. Is it Spain? Oh, crap. I don't remember. That walk. <laughs> Where's that walk that they all do? The big pilgrimage that goes from France over the Pyrenees. So that would be oh, Spain. That would be Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So in Spain, they have, and along there in the Middle Ages, they would have these little square holes in the buildings, and you could go up, walk up, and get wine from them. And sometimes it was just like a little hole big enough for a hand and a and a glass to come out, stuff like that. Of course, they also had wine fountains. I'm pretty sure this is what we need in America. <laughs> wine fountains. Not winos in a fountain. We have that a lot when I lived in Philly. There was a lot of winos in a fountain, but actual wine fountains. I just want that in my house. I, I you know, because <laughs> I, I, I still don't want to, you know, leave my house. And it's not like a COVID fear thing. It's just a, a real uncertainty about any type of person I'm going to meet and what could follow. <laughs> I mean, you just, you never know what someone's response is going to be to anything anybody you know, does. Is, and this is really sad because this this has to be a common fear of most women mm-hmm. now in, in this glorious world we've created that just a fear of going outside because they're women. I mean, not because they're weak or something like that, but because this is the crazy ass environment that we've created for them. And it's sad. So sad. Oh. Well, it's just, it's just uh, when you anytime you have a a large number of stupid people, <laughs> that's of which when we have way happens. more than our due. Well, and and you know it, it's it just seems it depends on where you live. I think it depends a a huge amount on what part of the country you live in. You know, if you um say if you're like me and you're more of a leftist and you live in a mega land place it's it's not the best time to you know go out and put stickers on your car you oh, know? no no i'm afraid to do that here and i'm in delaware you know and i think i get a tax break if i put a biden sticker on my car well you know i think that should be part of his uh his campaign i, I mean like to offer that is a that bread legal? in every box a sticker for every car 
I met oh, my dear. I just want him to live to the election. This is how low my expectations for things are this year. But can he just li- at least live to the election? Oh, well, you know, God. I met him because I was born and raised mm-hmm. in Delaware. And though right. I didn't meet you until we went to college, I right. was from Delaware where you happen to live now. And uh, we had my high school had competed in a competition and uh was the, the what's that <laughs> i said i'm the prize oh, he was by <laughs> meeting biden was the prize yeah. that really that was the prize that was the prize well we got to go to washington dc so and, that and i mean that sniffed was... by biden <laughs> <laughs> he did he did not but you know that smile it's you know, nice I don't know. It's huge. You yeah. could get lost in it. It's kind of like just this really wide smile that you just don't know kind of what's going on behind there. And it's short. <laughs> I, re- I remember I, him being like my height, too, which I'm like around 5'6", so I think he's somewhere around there. He could be a little taller. I don't remember. We were both standing next to John Kerry at the time, so... And I think John Kerry's like six five or something. He's huge. But I remember a kid in my class when we were meeting with Biden um, decides to have a conversation about gun laws. Oh dear! <laughs> and so you know this fifteen year old kid, just you know who was a hunter. Um, just started going off on Joe Biden and that, you know, and Joe Biden didn't say anything, just the smile got bigger and you kind of wondered when something was just going to crack. Like, what's the face going to I assume his brain is inside is going like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like Sir, the attitude line. If I'm not allowed to buy a sniper rifle to kill me a deer, <laughs> I can't vote for you. Because Biden's coming for your guns, you know, just like Obama Obama never did. <laughs> the threat is real. The, th- the threat is real. He's coming for your guns. Oh, my Christ. What a mess. For all those out of the country listening, I'd like to apologize for the existence of my country. We're, <laughs> we're, we're so sorry. We're sorry for every tourist that has come to your country and acted like a jackass. And we're sorry for the unending idiocy news that you must have to listen to. And we're sorry for the Orange Emperor. It's uh, our education system. For the lack thereof. <laughs> Holy crap. It's... Well, you know, most people in this country, there was actually a study done. Most people in this country uh, have not read a book since graduating high school. So, oh I mean, it's... Okay. Queen Elizabeth, if you're listening, I'd like to I'd like to pose my fealty, and I'd like to come home, please. <laughs> oh, come take us back. Take us back, you poor old lizard woman. Take us back. I I will drink tea. And I, and I like tea, and I like crumpets. I like crumpets, oh. and there's really good curry over there. And they just seem really nice and calm. I mean, what? don't most British people just seem really nice and calm? I mean, yes. they just... Yes, I dated just... one, and she was pretty much nice and calm the entire time. 
Yeah, calm. It's the English way. Pink Floyd told us that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why aren't you still dating? I mean, was the breakup nice and calm? No. Well, she was. Yeah. <laughs> I was purely American in the response to this breakup. You know, I, oh. I cried, stomped my feet, and sent an airstrike. So. <laughs> and that did not that did not persuade her to return to no, you. No, no, no. She uh she has a little one now, not mine. And a oh. uh, and a uh, lovely lovely boyfriend, living boyfriend guy. I'm telling. I I don't even hope she doesn't listen to this show. I'm like airing all her laundry out here. She's got a really nice guy and. Uh, she has kind of a, a difficult background, so I was worried that she would never really settle down and be with a guy, but she did, and seems like a really good guy, and so that's great. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she survived your She survived American dating me. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Strike and all. Is that what it is? Is that what is <laughs> What was it? It was shock and all. Shock and all. Oh my god. That's what it is. It's I, shock and all. Hey baby. Oh god. Yeah. Do you remember that Toby Keith was it Toby Keith song about uh, I'll we're never gonna get like high with Willie again? <laughs> I got more. high with Willie Nelson once. I should tell that story sometime. Well tell it now. Tell it now. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh my senior year of high school I was working for an uh, a venue nearby then the valley forge music fair and mm-hmm. it was a uh, in the round so the stage is in the dead center circle and spun so it was like you know a heart-shaped bed at that place in the poconos but, uh, <laughs> so i would work there and work backstage security and stuff like that and uh willie and whalen came and we're doing a couple nights of shows and a couple of the guys had to tell them that i never smoked pot before at the time so and they called me into the bus and that song is quite prophetic never get high so not only did you did you get high with willie nelson but it was your first time my first time getting high was with willie and whalen so that's epic (laughs) yeah yeah (sighs) oh son you better sit down for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, that was no place for a novice. That was It was no not. Place. That that was like <laughs> epic level and I was I really need to be like smoking with like cover girl or technotronic <laughs> maybe. You know, maybe smoking half a blunt with with uh with a uh, Bismarck key. <laughs> you know, but nope, straight to Willie. Uh, gosh, well, you know, you knocked out all the other, you know, less worthy and just went right for I, the king. I've had a very strange Forrest Gump life. That is true. That is, <laughs> as you know. Oh, I guess these people want to hear some bizarre stuff other than just us, which we should be bizarre enough for them. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you are. I'm <laughs> just a nerd. <laughs> you are completely normal. No, I'm just a nerd is what I am, and I, I've yeah. embraced that. And cute. I, yeah, cute nerd. <laughs> that, what that doesn't get better than that? 
This is why we have conventions. We don't care about the show. We want to meet other nerd girls. That's why guys <laughs> go to conventions. There's going to be a nerd girl there. At least one of them's going to be in a bikini. So, yeah. Oh, well, you know, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. The bikini? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I think you, you haven't changed since college. Shut up. I, on the other hand, I, I'm not even the same human genome. I, I don't even know what I am anymore. All right. What should we read? What, what should we tell these people about? I have a, I have a lot of bizarre crap here. I mean, uh, bizarre stories. Yeah, it was, you know, it's, uh, it was a lot to sort through there. I mean, because yeah, that's we won't get to all of them stuff, but did you see the jetpack guy? So it's like there's I could read the article on it, but I think everyone has heard the story by now that uh several airlines coming into LAX reported a man in a jetpack flying around. And they were this wasn't a joke, they were deadpan who came in through several different airlines, all in flight pattern, holding pattern, waiting to land. And calling in going, um, yeah, there's a guy in a jetpack that just passed us. So I, a couple people suggested, or someone suggested Mylar balloons or drones, and come on. Yeah, that doesn't work. No. That, I mean, no. these guys are up there. They always make these airline pilots out to be idiots, and they're not. They see what they can see. It's not like there's a crowd up there. You know, they yeah. can see him. He's right there. And so yeah, I the think, one pilot said he was 300 feet 300 away feet, from yeah. him. And that's pretty... You know, close. Yeah. close, yeah. And so, I don't know. I, one of the first things people came up with uh, that it, maybe it was Jetpack Aviation who uh, did the uh, the guy went up and flew around the Statue of Liberty and um, I forget who just did it. Uh, one of the guys from Mythbusters uh, has his own show, and I forget. Adam Savage. Is it Adam Savage? I think it's savage but anyway he has his own show and he actually went to jetpack aeronautics i think it was them and they helped him create an actual iron man suit but hmm. uh they they wouldn't go up in the air traffic like that so it's bizarre i know the well, fbi is investigating but they got nothing yet well three thousand feet i mean that's I, I mean to me that's way up there i mean like oh, yeah. i'm a that's why <laughs> you are up there. Well, I mean, you're committed. I'd like to hear from the pilots. Like, did he wave to them? Well, I guess, I guess you can't really wave. I mean, was he wearing a mask? Right. Was, he... was it orange? Was it yellow and red? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's an important thing. We need we need Tony Stark in this world. So if Elon Musk was up there in a suit, we need to know. It's important information. <sighs> It probably was Elon. Elon. No, he would have sent. He would have sent somebody else. He would have had a giant blunt. Yeah. (laughs) There's a guy in a jetpack hitting a bong up here. We don't know. Oh, it's Elon Musk. Never mind. Well, he sends other people to do his work for him, though. So it wouldn't have been. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So he's Tony Stark's father. So. It was somebody that he pays like eleven seventy five an hour. I know, and it was, it was a new prototype. 
type. <laughs> it was you just like somebody, me. somebody completely, you know, dispensable. We can just, you know, hey, this guy's not going to matter. We'll just send him up, you know, and see what the pilots do. That, that you know, that was. It. Yeah, it, my favorite's the audio. It's like. Tower, this is American one nine nine seven. We just passed a guy in a jetpack, and the retort from the from the tower, only in L.A. <laughs> I mean, he's like nonplussed by it, like oh, you yeah, know. Oh yeah, just like oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, what else do they see up there? I mean, if I mean, that's what I want to know now. If if he was so nonplussed, we must be missing everything else that goes on up there. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's got to be. I know there's, but I know there's a really good book, and I should look this up because I'd love to have the author on, on weird sightings by long haul truckers. And there's some really good stories in that book of really weird, like time slips and and uh, weird things. And I actually have one on here, but it's out of Chicago O'Hare that a trucker uh, had a weird sighting. Maybe I'll do that one, and then I'll let you go from there but uh oh, I, got <laughs> <laughs> like, I got nothing so a trucker I got nothing. Re- reports sighting of diminutive gray-skinned black-eyed humanoid at chicago o'hare international airport so i yeah i didn't even know mitch mcconnell was in chicago uh, sorry sorry anyway um yeah. let's see where was it so his, what he had to say was I was at O'Hare Airport doing a pickup of some air freight, as one does, from the United Cargo Facility on the night of July 31st, 2020. It was about 10 p.m., and I was backed up to the dock waiting to be loaded. <laughs> Been there. When I, <laughs> when I saw what looked like a small child walking along the grassy area by the streetlights over by the road, at first I thought it was just another driver taking a walk. Little driver i guess taking a smoke break or just stretching his legs as i watched them i started to take notice that it did not look like any person i'd ever seen in my life it looked like it was a very skinny and small child the way he walked was also different it looked like he was limping as he walked the arms were so very skinny and hung down to his knees they looked very very skinny what would we would call skin and bones I watched it for almost a minute and saw two semis pass by on the road next to where it was standing. Both trucks apparently didn't notice it and simply drove on. There was also activity across the street by the control tower, but they also apparently never noticed it as it idly walked under the street light. When I did get under the light, oh, when I, yeah, when I did get under the light, I could see that its skin appeared a light shade of gray and it appeared to not be wearing clothes. Its head was out of proportion with its body. I totally dated this person. And it <laughs> appeared to be looking at the plane that it was being that was being brought toward the fence across the street and the activity around it. I eventually decided to get out of the truck and take a closer look, hoping it wasn't a small child that had wandered off or had been abandoned. As I got out and walked toward it, it turned when it must have heard me and I called out. what did he call excuse me little child (laughs) what did he call out he just screwed that up as i got closer to it it became alarmed and the closer i got i realized that it wasn't a small child as i first thought 
I called out to it again, and then it turned toward me, and I saw that it had huge, almost bug-like eyes that were black in color, and its body appeared a light shade of gray under the light of the street light. I picked up my pace toward it, and that's when I saw it take off and start to run away. <laughs> it has only alien with zero technology. <laughs> Things running with a speak and spell like E.T. It ran faster than any human I've ever seen. It could have easily outrun an Olympic sprinter. It was gone in a blink of an eye, and all I remember was someone banging on the door of my truck, telling me to come inside and get my paperwork. Didn't he get out of the truck? Wait, wait, wait. As I got out and walked towards it, yeah. So then he saw it, it runs, and then poof, someone's not... Hmm, did he fall asleep? Or did he get abducted? For... Is this, like, was this guy with you when you met Willie Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> he might have been listening to Willie Nelson. So then... Uh, What's going on with airports then? Because there's, I... like weird stories about there are weird stories about airports and it's not even like the weird one in vegas where the where the uh it has the fake airline coming in and out of it going to area 51 oh what do they call it mm -hmm. just just another unnamed airline or something like that i forget what i'd have to look it up but yeah well, see, and that's news to me Oh, yeah, yeah the, um, nope. to go out to Area 51, you go right to the regular airport in Vegas, and there is a section, and here, I'll look it up. I think it's just another unnamed airline or something like that. Get your little E.T. spells. Right, Area out. 51. Airline. Janet, just another... But anyway, the, yeah, they'll, they won't have tail numbers, I don't think, but they'll say Janet Air or Janet Airlines. And yeah. uh, it's part of Naval Base Ventura, so it's um, which is what Area 51 is actually called. They don't call it Area 51 or the Tanapa Test Range. But it's a private terminal at McCarran International Airport, and most of them are unmarked. They'll be white, white, um, like... I don't know, 747, 757s, something like that. Older models with a red stripe and Janet written on it. And they, uh, it, it, it's actually Joint Air Network for Employee Transportation, but I think they call it just another, just another something airline. That's what the Area 51 people are finally calling it. But. Yeah, there's a lot of weird airplane stuff. Like, uh, do you remember being when you were in Delaware, down in Middletown? There's a little, tiny little, like, like airstrip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that one is extra sketchy. Because evidently, hmm. Air America was running out of there during Vietnam, so it was partially run by CIA. And I guess people park on the side of the road down there still and look for unmarked small craft coming in and out of there. And now I guess apparently it's being used or at least was being used for the transport of prisoners to and from Guantanamo Bay. Mm, well, see, in Delaware is always, uh, I mean, because you had Dover. Well, you had Dover where, you know, anybody who has been killed in a, in a war that's where they are flown into that's always been dover 
Right. Um, so there's, I'm sure that there's lots of things that are going on around there that, well, we don't know about or that we never know about. <laughs> I mean, right. And Joe Biden's from Delaware. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, who knows? It's so weird, but it's just how much weird stuff is going on around everyone and you you don't even know. But yeah, so that's, that's the truckers. One of us needs to go undercover in like an airport or get right. a job. I worked at an something. airport years ago as a baggage handler for like a summer, years and years ago, and that was fun. Were you out on the tarmac and like yeah, uh, like the, right the out there? And Air Force One came in, and I I'm not prepared for the size of air force one <laughs> it is it is ridiculous i mean even compared to the other airliners coming in and out of philly international it dwarfed by air force one it is it is immense and of course you know you can't get anywhere near it all you can do is see it but it's so huge that you don't have to get that close well, he's, you know, in the past, the past, the main passenger on Air Force One, I mean, is is always obviously trying to compensate for something. No doubt. <laughs> if the bigger the plane, the. <laughs> I, everyone should have a large plane. I have the largest plane in the history of the president. The largest for my small hands. Yeah, yeah, well, we know all about those small hands. I, I, they're not really that small. They look really big when I put them near my junk. Then my hands look really big because my junk's really small. Anyway, that's Trump. So, um, <laughs> where uh, let's see, where else should we go? Should we stay with UFOs, or should we crush everybody's childhood with the origins of the Menomina song? Oh, well, see, once you get that in your head, there's no going back. That you is have true. the, you know, so that might be a closing number. You know, does something to send people off to dream Yeah, that's with. true. And then I can always just throw that song in there as the closeout song. So that works. Mm-hmm. That's right, because we, uh, we, we had this all worked out in show prep. <laughs> show prep, that's funny. <laughs> well, now that we've given people a clue of what's coming up, you you know that they've stopped listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the introductory episode, I'm pretty sure. But uh, you want to take it's one? All over I know now. you've got to work through your alien technology. Oh. Yeah, let me try to figure this out. Yeah, come on, Meemaw, uh, we can do it. Is there a 12-year-old in the audience that can help Meemaw with her technology? Yeah. I don't know. I got my glasses, too. Are they, are they, are they like half reading glasses slid down your nose? Kind of, they're bifocals too. So I mean mm-hmm. that that takes it to a whole new level of hotness. No, they do. I, I, I my eyes are so bad, I can't even get bifocals. How bad is that? Ooh, yeah. Well, you know, here's here's some really positive news because when uh, for a while I couldn't, I everything was blurry, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, oh great. You know, here we go. My eyes are getting worse and I couldn't get a an appointment for for forever because of COVID. 
Um, you know, right. we, we are like where I live, we are just locked down. So I finally got, um, got an appointment and the eye doctor goes, I'm doing the test and everything. And I'm like, you know, everything's just blurry. I just, I really can't see. I think my eyes are just worse. And he goes, well, actually they've gotten better. That's why everything's blurry. Oh, so, so everything is actually blurry. It's blurry because my eyes have improved and the, you know, prescription I have now is making it seem worse because my eyes improve. Your eyes got so, better. Yeah. And I mean, how weird is 2020 that something got better? And <laughs> only you. Yeah. You look my the vision. same after 30 years and your vision's getting better. I, on the other yeah. hand, have, have like limp corneas. I don't know what I've, to do with that. I, 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 I got nothing. Limp? Yeah. Limp? Well, it, it's called a, God, what is it? A keratoconus or something like that. And the apex of your cornea, instead of being in front of you, is angled kind of down. So I can see 2020 if I had a flip top head. <laughs> if I tilt my head all the way back as far as I can and then try and look down my chin, I can see 2020. Ah, but you know, really, there's not much to see anymore. So I think that's what just... I figure. It just makes everyone beautiful now, so it's great. Oh, oh, well, she's it's beautiful. A... That's a, it's a llama, Gary. Oh, well, her hair <laughs> is beautiful. So oh, that's like, that. a, that's like that old Jack Black movie and and Gwyneth Paltrow movie, oh, Shallow Pal. Yes. Where he only sees everybody's inner beauty, and then you know, and it's Girl, a that movie got Paltrow. really bad reviews, but it was you know, cute. I just am not a Gwyneth Paltrow fan because you didn't buy her you know, candle. I did not, and I, <laughs> I I kind of thought it would be interesting though to buy it and then to light it and see if anybody would say, "Oh, that's Gwyneth." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It smells like I mean, a culturist pooter in here. What or kind of, ask, oh, it's a candle. Ask me if I've got a clam bake going on or oh, I don't I, I, I did the article <laughs> and covered the story and it kind of talked about the scents involved and I I didn't know how any of them added up, but hey, you know, I haven't been there on Gwen. Maybe she's special. Well, I think she thinks so. Well, <laughs> she definitely thinks so. Doesn't she have a yeah. kid named Tomato or something? Apple. Uh, Apple. Apple. Yeah. Another kid named Microsoft. <laughs> okay, I got one. I okay. got one. All right. I, I'm this gonna, you know, I'm gonna do the because uh, my with my improved eyesight here, I've got uh, a story about. The most haunted mansion in Ireland. Oh, in Ireland, so, yes. Yes. I imagine there's more than just one. I would think. But this one's for sale, isn't it? This one is for sale. And it's 63 acre, acres. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, just a little bit of leg room. A little bit. A so, little bit. Yeah. So, it's a 22-bed uh, mansion uh, uh, in the south on the southeastern edge and it's uh it's only 2.87 million yeah so i'm looking to downsize (laughs) see (laughs) there we go 
it's it's right up your alley, which is why I wanted to share it. Right. Because you know, I figure like uh, for two point eight seven million, me and my closest two hundred friends can like, <laughs> or at least twenty two anyway. Yeah, you know, put some money down and and, and you, you know. open it to the public like all the British royals have, and you make and that supports the home. But anyway, I digress. There, it's haunted. So yes, so it's known as Loftus Hall, and mm-hmm. it it's, uh, dates back to the 12th century. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's a little legend associated with it. So, um, it's, according to this legend, a raging storm drove a passing traveler to seek a few nights of refuge at Loftus Hall. That's always how it uh, starts, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, back in those days, everybody was so hospitable, of course. So uh, everybody was indoors. So everyone decided, well, you know, we have nothing to do. We're going to play some cards. Of course, there was nothing to do with the 12th century. <laughs> what did they yeah. do? Yeah, we're just going to play some cards. So uh, during the guest stay, um, there is a woman named Anne Tottenham. Tottenham? Tottenham, I'm not certain, and I'm it's sorry. Ham. I'll Anne. take it any way it's served. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry, Anne, if, if if I'm butchering that or any relative of Anne who's listening. I'm terribly so offended. She, yeah, so she <laughs> dropped one of her cards on the floor. Oh dear. And uh, she just, you know, so she ducked under the table to get her uh, card, and she was uh, a little sweet on uh, the visitor. Uh, one of the visitors, you know, she got a little bit smitten. So this Uh might have been a little, you know, flirtation. I'm just going to drop my card here, you know. So uh, while she's under the table, she happens to notice that her crush uh, has cloven hooves where his feet should be. Oh, we've all been there, haven't we? (laughs) I mean, how embarrassing. You trying to Ugh, how do you come back from that? Well, apparently, his response was to um, disappear through the ceiling in a burst of flame in a puff of smoke. <laughs> he ghosted her. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, according to the lovelorn Anne, she was left in a state of smoldering confusion. I've <laughs> been there, too. You know, I just want somebody to say that to me once, that I have left them in a state of smoldering confusion. Because can you just imagine? That's like a compliment. I mean, I think I was close. (laughs) I left you in that state. (laughs) For 30 years. At least the confusion part. (laughs) (laughs) Smoldering was for a few days, but I was confused the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently Satan was at this card game. And, you know, that is what has uh, started kind of this legend. So um, for the for the next few years after this visit from Satan himself, uh, Anne died uh, very young. And uh, they confined her to the house's tapestry room uh, that she was too... Sh- shocked and vulnerable for the outside world which is a shame because that's also, 63 acres yeah and well, does that count as the outside world maybe she could still roam the gardens 
Yeah, I don't know, though. I mean, you're you're always going to be looking for the devil. I mean, that's true. Look, I mean, what an awesome, you know, thing to say. Like, if you do something wrong, you can just say the devil made you do it. Because, I mean, he was playing cards with you. I mean, you can blame him for everything going on. I'm going to start that. Yeah. No personal responsibility whatsoever. I'm going to be calling up, you know, the, my car loan. Hi. Yes. Um, I'm not going to be able to pay this month because of the devil. Exactly. I don't think I'll get far. But so what happened to Mary? <sighs> no. And and oh. Tottenham. <laughs> See, you just they're all the same to you, Gary. All the women are the same. Mary and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is another devil one. seeing woman. <laughs> so they decide, you know, they're gonna pull out uh, a card of their own, you know, you know. Oh. They're gonna they're gonna call in a priest. Oh well <laughs> Hide the children. Here we go. <laughs> because it's exorcism time. Right. But he, he, so he's, you know, there and he's doing his best, you know, to rid the house of that hoven cloak that. The power of Christ compels you. Spritz, spritz, <laughs> spritz. Yeah. Or however they and, did it in the 12th century. Yeah, I don't know, but apparently his powers the were not powers? able. Yeah, they weren't oh. able to reach the tapestry room. Apparently, I can only reach the summer kitchen. I'm never going to reach the tapestry room. Yeah. The power of Christ only goes 50 feet. (laughs) This is why you need to downsize all the time. Right. That's right. Are you having trouble with the devil? (laughs) You need priest extender. Exactly. So, and then apparently, there's always a feeling that you're not alone in Loftus Hall, which I'm kind of going to call BS on, because that place is so huge, you're going to feel alone. I mean, I'm pretty come sure, on. yeah. I think I saw the picture of it, and it was, it was pretty palatial. So, it's, you're never alone in Tottenham Hall. <laughs> There's always a ham watching you. But then, you know, so in, in 1350, though, you know, you had the Black Plague come in. And so they decided to do a little redecorating. So, uh, <laughs> this one does. Yeah. <laughs> they, they kind of, uh, so it's not the original tapestry room, I don't think. Oh. So, I mean, that, that's kind of disappointing. Um, and then they're, they're all working from home because it's a pandemic. And, you know, the kids, you know, don't, instead of just writing on their little slates at school, have to, like, mail it by horseback. And, yeah, so they could get some stuff done around the house, redo the tapestry room, upset the yeah. devil. And, and then, sure. you know, it's taken over lots of times. Apparently, uh, you know, that, uh, that uh, British guy, Oliver Cromwell, had his hands on it, too. Where did he uh, come from? God, he's like George Washington. He's everywhere. This guy was everywhere but London. Goes to London and now he's dead. I bet you he could have reached the tapestry room. I mean, let's just oh, be honest. That that priest was just lacking. Uh, uh, like 
Jesus's power can't get up there or something. Sorry, I can't stay. <laughs> so anyway, let me skip through this. I'm not going to name everybody who's who's owned it, but you know, so basically they're saying that this this property, even though it's changed hands and there's been some redecorating and uh Anne was left uh, in smoldering confusion that it's just the kind of ominous aura that keeps property values high. And that's really what it's all about in the end is as the long high... as something got high after that. We're good. <laughs> yeah, poor Anne. No one even knows what happened. She still roams the halls in smoldering confusion. My I know. Future ex wife right there. And Tottenham. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna make a profile for her and put myself in a relationship with her. Yeah, I we gotta we have to get like a good bio line for her, like uh I don't know who I am, I'm confused. We gotta do something, something for yeah. Aunt. I feel like now we have to do something because I butchered her name. I, I you know, I mess Tottenham. I mean Tottenham, Tottenham. I don't. Well, I'm not British. I can't pronounce everything. I can say crumpet. See, there we go. And I mean, and it's our education system, which we've talked about, <laughs> <laughs> or the lack thereof. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we're lucky. Of, I got through the article. Right. <laughs> speaking of England, what does Winston <laughs> Churchill, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and uh, Bushy Fragmites? have in common well first i bushy fragmites i don't know either i don't know i don't know what that is so it was winston churchill dwight d eisenhower and bushy fragmites oh i want well winston churchill was world war ii well dwight with right. so eisenhower Right. Uh, is this something to do with Pearl Harbor? No, they have nothing to do with each other at all. They're just in this article. <laughs> but uh, so in New York, apparently there is a beach called Dead Horse Bay, and it's along the southern edge of Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, I it, it is full of trash, so you don't even need to squint to find slivers of glass beneath tangles of seaweed and the shore often glints brown and green <laughs> well, that's new york with entire unbroken bottles but it's also not uncommon to find intact light bulbs bits of ceramic rusted metal or the soggy insides of old shoes tucked around clusters of bushy fragmites i still don't know what a bushy fragmite is but anyway that's visitors what yeah that's vis- it's a shoe? A bushy fragmite? No, you're saying the bushy fragmite is in the shoe? No, they're all they're all tucked around the bushy fragmites. Shoes, <laughs> bottles, soggy bits. And visitors might even spy an old phone book or a piece of newsprint chronicling a chat between Winston Churchill and Dwight D. Eisenhower. Many patrol the beach hoping to find particularly interesting bits of rubbish. <laughs> kind of why I go to Facebook. <laughs> but now before they reach the shore they're likely to spot a new sign that says danger area closed potential hazards ahead 
Why? Because the beach is radioactive. That's right. Maybe you should have brought a Geiger counter. <laughs> so this surprisingly pretty trash that spews from the site of this old landfill and is um, casually capped by the, like, in the 1950s and is now eroding and unpacking its contents all over the beach. So they had this landfill, and in the 50s they capped it off, but it's a beach, and it's old cement, and it's coming all apart. Now all the all the stuff from the 50s and before is all spilling out all over the beach. But, so... I completely lost my spot because I'm a professional. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just here in a smoldering confusion. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a smoldering confusion. But uh, it's named for the... So it's getting almost burped out by the land where the reeds are because the water has completely encapsulated it. So as the water comes in and out, it's just like the water com- tide comes in and pff, bumps out a whole bunch of trash. This doesn't and, sound no, no, and they named it Dead Horse Bay because of the foul-smelling factories on Barren Island that once made glue and um, fertilizer and more of those from horses and other animals and then discarded their carcasses in the water at Dead Horse Bay. So it's also what, a pop, with right? that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, this is where everyone wants to go. So Dead Horse Bay is a popular place for urban archaeology enthusiasts with strong stomachs and closed-toed shoes and who want to die and not ever have children, I guess. So part of the Gateway National Recreation Area, it is managed by the National Park Service. Ah, there it is. Which means that (laughs) visitors have been able to look but not take. Why are they going? But as of August 2020, good old 2020, even <laughs> gawking is now off limits after detecting chemical contaminants back in 2002, which they apparently didn't care about, and gamma radiation in 2019. So we should be getting the hawk any minute now. But, yeah, when you say gamma radiation, I think of every superhero. Hero, right? <laughs> so according to the Park Service, back in 2019, technicians detected 31 spots where gamma radiation exceeded ambient levels. Upon closer examination of nine of these, they found that in some deck markers, flat glowing circles meant to illuminate structures or paths in the dark, uh, they used that, uh, that stuff from World War II that they used on uh, watch dials. Uh, radium? Is it radium? And they yeah. were using that to put these things on the, as deck markers so they would glow, and all that is now seeped out into the into the water and the, and the soil and everything. Radium, yes, radium. So, so they release, made it worse. Is that oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Now, have you ever seen, uh, they did a musical or a movie or something about the, uh, the girls who would paint the watches with the radium paint for glow in the dark, and they thought it was neat, so they'd do their makeup with the radium, and they would paint yeah. their teeth or their lips with the radium until they all were dying from radiation poisoning. So, yeah. See see what women good. have done for fashion. I mean it's just yeah. it's just too much. We we shouldn't have to do all that for fashion. I mean, come on. No. Cru- crush up some lapis. That's what Egypt did, and you're fine. 
What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> the park the park service reports that 84 of Dead Horse Bay's 178 acres are currently off limits because a visitor potentially could be exposed to radiological contamination or man-made radiological articles either from unauthorized digging and surf and surfacing a deck marker or other man-made radiological articles. What so they didn't shut there? all of it down. They just shut, shut part of it down. Or, For the I most mean, part, yeah, where that stuff's so, coming they up. Have, they have like a line drawn in radium, like don't cross. <laughs> they did. They did. Like don't cross this line. Like you're good right up to this line. <laughs> oh, my God. Huh. They're, they're, they warn people to please not take things that are radioactive and store them in your car. This is the country we've become. Please, sir, do not put that radioactive article in your car. As it will kill you and your family. Oh, my God. But it God. looks so cool. It looks but so then, cool. I right. take it. So you got another person, and they go into a bunch of science here, but we don't do that in America. We're not reading that. No. But uh, no. basically, it, it's... We know it's a, more than any scientist, yeah. right, Gary? Yeah. Oh, we did, because I was certified by Facebook. Mm-hmm. So basically what they're saying is that this isn't super dangerous, but it still needs to be cleaned up. So unless you're going to go pick the stuff up and put it into a tight enclosed area like your car it's not really going to hurt you as long as you're not spending a lot of time there but they have closed the beach and uh i guess they'll plan a cleanup when in between the civil war apocalypse the uh, yellowstone volcano and COVID. you know it's it's kind of it might be something that should just be put on the back burner right now. I mean, l- let's be honest, we're dealing with enough shit. So right. let's just let's just put this on the back burner. I mean, nobody's going in there. They've got the line drawn in radium. We're we got good. a sign, right? <laughs> we, sign we, posted. we put another sign up made of radium. Um, yeah, that's what's poisoning everything, sir. Exactly. We'll get, uh, we'll get a John Candy look-alike to stand out there and say parks closed. And... <laughs> right. Parks closed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, there's just too much else going on. I mean, this we just can't juggle juggle it all. I mean, you no. gotta let something fall, and this this something. is gonna fall. Yeah. I'm all sorry right. for the people of New York. I'm just I'm, I'm... once again, we are sorry that you are the Tokyo of the world. <laughs> yeah. How much longer do the kaiju kaiju start coming out of the ocean? Please let it be soon. (laughs) I mean, at this point, you know, it's... (sighs) It'd almost be a relief. I mean, because at least it'd be an ending. I mean, I just want an ending because everything... (laughs) (laughs) Just end already! It's just like, if you just are getting tested... It's like Game of Thrones. It's all going to build up, and then the ending's going to be really stupid. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, come on. All of this? We went through all of this for this really bad ending. Right. I mean, it's So if just... you're listening, Vice President Biden, can don't, don't die. Can you at least make it to the election, please? Can you? Thank you. Mm. All right. What do we got next? 
Um, let's see. I'm going to use my technological skills here. And oh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, ma'am. The power of Christ can't reach you. <laughs> you're in the tapestry room. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I you know that actually sounds kind of sweet. I mean, just, <laughs> I want a tapestry just, room. I know. God, how spoiled was Anne? I didn't get the and, tapestries you know, in the divorce. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, did she really see something or what, did he just, like, reject her? And I think she was she, having the vapors. She made the whole thing up. I don't just, know. I don't even know what the vapors are, but it's one of those women conditions. Oh, oh there we go. Okay, oh. Freud. <laughs> Bitch was drunk, doing snuff or something or whatever they got high on in the 11th century. Fleas. Well, you know, since we talked about some uh, some ghosts, so I'm going to talk about some people. Well, one woman in particular, but apparently there have been more people than just this lady who. were mistakenly declared dead when they were very much alive. Well, she didn't move for like five minutes, so we just, what would you think? <laughs> we just start. Hold up. <laughs> we just put her in a box. What's in so the this box? one, this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you just got to get in the box. Just get in the box. Oh, never mind. Continue. So this woman, so this happened in Detroit, and we know lots of things <laughs> of happened it there. Did. Yeah. So let's see. So this woman, uh, a young woman, was declared dead at her suburban Detroit home, and then opened her eyes at a funeral home as she was about to be embalmed. So talk about like not a moment too soon. Oh right. Um, yeah. So. They would have begun draining her blood, to be very, very frank about it. Jeffrey Feiger told the news. The Southfield Fire Department acknowledged it was involved in a bizarre set of events Sunday that began when a medical crew was summoned to a home where a 20-year-old woman was unresponsive. Aren't most 20-year-old women sort of unresponsive? Most of the ones I knew. And well, you're not trying hard enough. So it's just, and obviously these people weren't either. I know, apparently not. (laughs) Um, Paramedics tried to revive the woman for 30 minutes. Well, I mean, I guess that's a pretty good effort. Dude, they're pumping her chest that long. 30 minutes. Yeah, and I Uh, assume paramedics showed up, so they would have had her on the monitor. That's crazy. So uh, apparently they they then consulted an emergency room doctor, and the doctor pronounced the patient deceased based upon medical information provided from the scene, well, which I didn't. Dead. Well, I guess it was over the phone. I didn't know. Is that a thing where like a paramedic in the field says, no. you know? But if there was no paramedic, an EMT cannot 
declare them dead, so they would have to call medical command. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, A15 medical command, go ahead, A15. Um, she's like not moving and stuff, and we've been like pushing on her chest and stuff, and she's still not breathing. Okay, she's dead. All righty. And then, the, so then it's pronounced, right? Right, just like <laughs> not quite that easily. I'm joking, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, that would be. I I don't see the point of it. Just take her to the NAM hospital and get pronounced there. But it makes it sound like this doctor didn't see her, so they had to be calling Rampart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea. That's bizarre. Well, then they said uh, to the family uh, that the body could be released to the family without an autopsy, which and that seems kind of strange to me as well, because 20 year old women just don't typically become unresponsive. I mean, that assume maybe drugs were involved or something. I mean, there has to be something because if there's just no reason why she's unresponsive. Yeah, we, we don't care why she's dead, really. We didn't like her. So, I mean, uh, we're just not going to do the autopsy. Don't, we don't care. Yeah. So then they, they took uh, this poor woman uh, to the James H. Cole Funeral Home in Detroit. And uh, the woman was found to be alive more than an hour later. This is not unheard of. That people no. are pronounced in the hospital and then their heart spontaneously starts beating. But they said they were about to embalm her, which is most frightening. Had had she not opened her eyes, so apparently you're not going to put that in me, are you? <laughs> yeah. just... They noticed she was alive when her eyes were open, which I mean, and who hasn't <laughs> had this nightmare? Who hasn't had this eyes nightmare? do apparently, you know, spontaneously open or, you know, they'll move and burp and fart and make weird noises and moan. And that's so, true. But, you know, they don't usually sit up and ask for a crumpet. <laughs> so eh, everything's <laughs> fine. I'm not fun. dead. Only the British ones. But it, isn't this the nightmare of anybody that kind of works oh. in a funeral home? And this isn't this the stuff of horror movies that you're working late at night by yourself. And, you know, <laughs> you open up that this little refrigerator. This would be my first day. Oh, all right. Man, 20 years old. What a shame. Pretty girl. Well, let's uh, let's get her processed here. Did her eyes just open? <laughs> Gary, come on. I know you're new, but I'm not. I quit. I'm, just, I'm going. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're going to go work uh, with the radioactive waste. In uh, I'm going to go clean up <laughs> dead ass horse beach. Yeah, oh there you go. <laughs> so apparently now they've decided to conduct an internal investigation. Uh, yeah, I think somebody fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be something along that line. Uh, uh, there had to be no paramedics, so they had to call some sort of medical command and just be like, yeah, we worked there for 30 minutes. Maybe they weren't doing compressions. or Who knows? Maybe they worked there perfectly, and it just was a spontaneous reanimation. Was her name yeah. Anna Tottenham by any chance? <laughs> You 
know. Um, they do not give this woman's name, so I have a suspicion that it uh, is our lovely aunt. I'm I think pretty it sure might if be. anyone is in smoldering confusion, it is this lass. <laughs> I'm not That's... dead. Yeah, you will be soon enough. No, I'm not. I want to take a walk. Good golly. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, has this funeral home decided they're going to call in a priest? You know, let's right. see. If <laughs> Unfortunately, she's in the tapestry room, so Power of Christ doesn't <laughs> yeah, reach that far. Uh, That's <laughs> Foiled again. Um, so apparently, though, I decided after reading this article, I was going to see, you know, does this happen? You know, yeah. you know, on the regular, is this something that we all need to be concerned about? You know, should we all get like one, a medical alert bracelet that says really I'm make sure. Of that. Yeah. I mean, so apparently there was a 78 year old gentleman who He's lived dead. in Mississippi no, and no. everyone, everyone said he was dead. And, uh, they went to, uh, begin the, to embalm him as well. And, uh, when they noticed the body bag began kicking and he was very much alive inside. And Earl's damn bag. (laughs) Yes. Take your hands off me. (laughs) Hand me, you filthy animal. (laughs) But apparently, so he was alive. Um, but, uh, just the timing was off because unfortunately he did pass away for real just two weeks later. So, um, this, this was like, yeah, with the, um, this must've been like the dry run. This was the practice run. This is why people were put out to view for like a couple days. See, just to make sure, but they've already embalmed him then. But that didn't even, again, women got the crappy end of that stick. So this is a horrible truth. So that when women would die, let's just say that uh, criminal elements within the funeral funerary establishment did things. So they they started not taking women to the funeral parlor in like 1800s stuff like that till they started to rot a little. Keep those things from happening. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Uh. You 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 can't even be dead and a woman and and not. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, greatest country in the world. It's great again. Did you know that? <laughs> I heard again. somebody was making it great again. Yeah, I did well, hear they made that. hats, so the hats are great again. Uh, Bad hats. Well, and another thing that can happen as well is, uh, you know, talking about death, is apparently there are over, I think, what is it? Oh, what's the number? Oh, see here, here, I'm going to, you know, I might sound like a politician. So it was either 12,000 or 122,000, give or take. (laughs) One of those. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to throw out statistics. Yeah, there were some numbers. But apparently there are some people in our country who are declared legally dead, uh, not by a medical professional, but uh, through a clerk. And it's usually Facebook and a typo. It's some type of typo. It's a typo? Yeah. So they've had uh, they've been declared dead. And so Social Security's notified. And so they'll go to, say, uh, renew their driver's license and someone will tell them they're dead. (laughs) I can't help you, sir. Apparently you died in March. And see, Uh, I mean, no, thank you. Really, this is when you just need to reboot the whole system. I mean, it's a stimulation at this point, right? Yes. Smoldering, stimulating confusion. I mean, are we still alive or is this a stimulation? But, yeah, so I mean. It's a simulation. Not, is it stimulation or simulation? You will be assimilated. So, I mean, you can't. This is futile. You can't even get your driver's license. I mean, you, and you can you imagine though? You have to wait that whole time in the line. How do we <laughs> know it's actually you? Uh, I gave you my ID. Yes, but it says you're dead. I'm not dead. Apparently. <laughs> but we're going to need a letter from the hospital that says you're not dead. Really? It's actually more difficult to prove that you're alive, apparently, in this country, than to prove you're not ready to be a bomb. So believe everyone. I'm not dead. I was just <laughs> taking a nap. Close enough for us. So good. Is my marriage over? That'd be great. Oh. Oh, my God. And so this is kind of, you know, just a little odd little things that happen to us in life that make good stories it later on. It doesn't happen to normal people. Normal people don't get <laughs> It's not like oh, I'm going to I'm going to run to the the grocery store and uh, <laughs> I might get declared dead on the way. So if you could just call my phone later and be like he's not dead. Evidently I live in with a bunch of 70-year-old women from Surrey. I don't know why, but I, I want to come back as a 70-year-old British woman from a Monty it's, Python skit. It's it's the whole Anne thing. I mean, you're just obsessed with her now. Totten bottom, totten ham. <laughs> Something's totten in Denmark. Something. <laughs> oh, my God. What else should we do to these poor people? You're still with us out there? Tap, 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 <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Still with us? All right. Oh my God! Yes, on that note, let's uh let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Fear is a strange thing. We as humans get scared of things that don't even exist, but we even get scared by real things or even other people. Join me, Christian Gonzalez, as we talk about the lore and legends that have haunted generations all over the world and even the villains and crimes that are lurking amongst us, here on the Monsters of History. Oh. I, and again, I just want to apologize to Anne's family. <laughs> for... they're, de- they're dead. I mean, they might not be in ten minutes, but they're dead now. So. <laughs> well, did anybody check for sure, though? I mean, no. Or, yeah. No, I wonder how long that lineage has gone, though. Well, well, I mean, we know 
and didn't marry Satan. So, I mean, I don't think she had children. It would be Satan Hall. (laughs) She would be Ann Satan, Ann Satan, Satan. She's smoldering. Gosh, what a way to make an exit, though. Right? I mean, it's... And the only exit the only exit we have is like Menomina or whatever. Yeah, which we will get to. You have that to look forward to yet. But yeah. before we're there, because no, you can never leave. It's the first time I've talked to you in thirty years. So uh Oh see I I, I kind of try to eject prematurely. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. You've been ejected. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. So if someone mentions Dracula to you, who do you think of? Well, you know, like Count Dracula. Is he like the oldest vampire you can think of? Mm, well, I believe, is that how the legend started? I right. Think, yeah. That's what yeah. I always thought. Yeah. Is there... Wrong. Oh. There is a pre-Dracula Dracula. There was lay, there was Lord Ruthven. Kind of a letdown. So there's yeah. this obscure folklore myth and and blockbuster movies and they mention Twilight, but there is no shimmering vampire in a tree here. But vampires have come a long way and becoming sort of a trope in popular culture. So while it's impossible to trace the exact origin of vampires, which were reportedly part of the horror repertoire and cultures as old as Mesopotamia. Who knew? The hype that introduced vampires as we know them today dates to back to the 18th century. So in Eastern Europe mainly, and uh, in the Balkans in particular, there was a frenzy regarding various sightings of the undead and other paranormal activities. <laughs> of the undead and yeah, other paranormal activities. That's <laughs> like so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go to a pumpkin patch and maybe some other fall activities. What, what <laughs> other paranormal activity? Anyway, around that time, the word vampire or vampire first came to be used. But the image of a vampire is an exotic, mysterious aristocrat, the Tottenhams, who usually charms his victims before feasting on their blood, is very distant from the villagers who allegedly came back from the dead in the 18th century rural Balkans. Everyone's coming back from the dead. We have, like, been building up to this story. We have. This wasn't even on purpose. No, this was completely inadvertently. You've literally done more research on this show than I did. I just collected this stuff. (laughs) Even though most relate the traditional vampire, the way Bram Stoker envisioned him in the 1897 gothic novel Dracula, which is another interesting side story that a copy of that book was found in an old trunk in a barn in Lancaster. But that's another story for another day. Mm. So uh, it drawed on inspiration from a 15th century ruler of, of Wallachia, Vlad Tepes III. This was the first time that such a character appeared in British literature. As early as 1816, a vampire crept into the imagination of the famous romantic poet Lord Byron. Three years later, his personal physician, John Polidori, used the laudanum-fueled writings of his friend and patient to produce his own version of the fiendish ghoul who lives only by night. He called it 
Lord Ruthven. We'll the see. Bottom, bottom filled writings. I mean, I don't have enough of them. I, yeah. So. That's that's we all need more of that. We yeah. need more law in them in the world. Yes. So the, this prototype for Lord Ruthven was first conceived in Byron's residence on Lake Geneva, Switzerland, called Villa Diodati. It was here that the popular and mischievous nobleman with a talent for verse invited several high profile literary friends to embark on a writing session with him. Isn't that where the movie Gothic started? <laughs> the night that Byron invited all those people, or was it Shelley's house, and they all kind of took mushrooms and all weird shit? Do I am not, that movie. I do not actually. Is yeah, that like it's, gothic? It's old, like maybe the eighties, and it's called just called Gothic. And I haven't seen it in ages, but it's about Byron and Shelley and Mary Shelley, and it's supposed to be the night that she came up with the idea for Frankenstein. And they're all like on drunk or on hallucinogens or something, and all this weird shit happens. But uh, I yeah. haven't seen that one. I'll, I'm gonna add it to. Yeah, I gotta see if I haven't see if I can find a copy of that. So they were all hanging out partying, and Polidori was already present on the spot as he served as Byron's traveling doctor. Because you know you party maybe a little too hard <laughs> when you need to call and have a doctor on site. I feel like I haven't <laughs> applied myself. Among his visitors was Mary Wollstonecraft and her future husband, Percy Shelley. It is this night. Mm. Both of whom became leading figures in the Romantic movement better known by her married name, Mary Shelley, devised the plot of her most famous novel, Frankenstein, during that visit. Yeah, this is what the whole movie is about. Mary Shelley's manuscript draft of Frankenstein began at Villa Diodati with marginal notes by Percy Blythe Shelley. God, she had nice handwriting. I'll, uh, I'll put a lot of the stuff and probably more that we didn't cover in the show notes, so if people want to go in and take a look at that, Oh, 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 that's Mary Shelley, huh? Well, she was a ooh, handsome woman. I don't wow. think I've ever seen her. But that's a lot of uh, talent in one room. I, I mean, that's... I... I oof. She's <laughs> mannish. Interestingly enough, this was in June of 1816, during the so-called Year Without a Summer, when the whole of Europe and parts of North America were going through a series of climate abnormalities known as fake news, apparently. Uh, <laughs> temperatures dropped, leaving the summer months drenched in rain and cold weather. In England? No. That never happens. No. That's, fake yeah. news. Mm-hmm. So, a mansion on a lake accompanied by rain and thunder. The setting itself was called calling for a horror story. So while the couple both worked on their stories, Byron wrote about a certain bloodsucker with an aristocratic suave called Augustus Darvell. The new monthly magazine publication of The Vampire by John Williams Polidari is what eventually it came. Uh, but anyway, Polidari, who was present during the writing process, took great interest in the fragment written by Byron and decided to steal it and use it as a sample for his own story, titled simply The Vampire, because he is an unoriginal as fuck. It was published in 1819 in the new monthly magazine and was first attributed to Byron. Afterward, the story was rightfully credited 
Really, though? To Polidori, who is considered today to be the father of modern vampire fiction because he stole a snippet from Byron. Weird. Mm. So this is how Lord Ruthven came to life, on paper at least, as a combination of Augustus Darvell and a parody of Lord Byron himself, who is described by Polidori as a master seducer and with a taste for human blood. Interesting. That's Lord Byron he's speaking of. Yes. Well, Byron had his famous skull chalice, too, which was just his gardener, if I remember the story right, because these are the stories I remember. Can't tell you, you know, my password to get into Facebook, but I can remember that Byron had a, uh, his gardener found a skull in the garden or something, because I guess that wasn't odd then, and gave it to him, and he made it into a goblet, which maybe he drank blood from, I don't know. The name Lord Ruthven actually originates from another novel called Glenarvan, written by Lady Caroline Lamb. Apparently Lady Caroline had an affair with Lord Byron, like everyone, and the two hadn't parted in best of terms. As a sort of revenge, Lady Caroline wrote a novel with the protagonist strikingly resembling her former lover. Needless to say, he wasn't exactly described in a positive character. The good doctor decided to adopt the character that already possessed the traits of Byron and spiced it up with a ghoulish twist. So, mm. what a mess. Everyone's backstabbing everybody, and Polidori's The Vampire was the first cohesive narrative on the subject, involving all the usual cliches, a 19th century playboy aristocrat who preys upon innocent girls from high society, seducing them and killing them by drinking their blood to satisfy his cravings. He is both alluring and dangerous and is bound by the night while absorbing supernatural powers from the moon. So, beginning in London, the tale continues in Italy, as well as Greece, where Lord Ruthven murders the daughter of an innkeeper. The vampire lord is followed by a companion called Aubrey, who is suspecting of his true nature until it's too late. The story garnered immediate success, partially due to its false attribution to Byron, and partly because during the time Europe was absolutely swept by various stories of vampiric creatures lurking among high society. So uh, they believed it because aristocrats are creeps? Well, it it wouldn't be that hard of a sell. I know, definitely not. <laughs> it's kind of... No. Oh, my God, how long have we been going here? I didn't even see what time we started. Whatever it is, well, just wait longer. No. Uh, yeah, it doesn't tell me. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Well, I mean, what is time, anyway? What is time? We don't need no damn time. We didn't learn that in school. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't have that here. No. Um, there are a couple things I do want to touch on before we go, and then we'll definitely finish with... Well, I'm just inspired to learn more about Lord Byron, because I did not know that. He was originally a Tottenham. Did you know that? Well, I mean, I, I am kind of smoldering and confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, just wait. What just if I were to wait. tell you there was a Mesoamerican Aztec-like city where St. Louis used to be? I mean, where St. Louis was to be. Used to be. Used to be. Did you know that it was? they plowed St. Louis? It's just no one noticed. No one cared. 
No, no, no yeah. one noticed, and it just, I mean, no. that's St. Louis. What does that got going for it? It has an arch. Oh, gosh, I just have alienated anybody, uh, any, any listener, listener that you St. have Louis. in St. Louis. Oh, okay, well, then screw St. Louis. What the hell do I know? I mean, screw St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What I said about the Philippines, and I think I lost them, too, so, well... But evidently a medieval metropolis existed in what's now St. Louis, then mysteriously disappeared in the 14th century. No doubt over a game of cards with the devil. Yeah, well, could it be anything but that? I mean... Yeah, but it's definitely... Like, city-states is not something we picture as happening in North America. We picture little tribe, Indian tribes and their wigwams and... Again, our education level is an atrocity. (laughs) But what if it was a city that was larger than London or Paris and sat atop of what is now East St. Louis at its height in 1050? Well, this Annalee Newitz writes at Ars Technica that it was the largest pre-Columbian city in what was to become the United States. Its colorful wooden homes and monuments rose along the eastern side of the Mississippi, eventually spreading across the river to St. Louis. It's called Cahokia, but that's the name that comes later inhabitants, who they themselves didn't even know who built the ancient metropolis. They just moved into the ruins. So they really have no idea what the builders were called or what the city was called. And also no one, including the people who settled there not long afterward, knows what happened to the city's inhabitants. So archaeologists call these lost indigenous societies, uh, this this society, the Mississippians. They occupied a territory along the river of nearly 1,600 hectares, which is slightly smaller than a hell acre, I guess. It's still not as big as Loftus Hall. Not nearly as big as Loftus Hall. Or my tapestry room. Or the tapestry (laughs) room where the power of Christ does not reach. During what is called the Mississippian period, roughly between 800 and 1400 AD, the society built mounds, some 120 mounds. So the Mississippi Mound people is something I learned about in school. And uh, I didn't know UNESCO was involved, who have designated Cahokia a world heritage site so you can go out there and see where it was and there's even a uh, introductory video that uh if you want to go check this out it'll be in the show notes and you can go check it out and watch this video uh from kahokia highlights of spring 2019 so uh, you can see what it's like with people not wearing masks and <laughs> the world hasn't collapsed yet and you but the large- uh- so you learned about that in school. So I, see, yeah, I, yeah I, I learned of this and never thought about it again. But now I'm kind of reinterested again. I learned about the Mississippi Mound Builders, but there wasn't a lot to learn because we don't know anything. Um, <laughs> That's the, true. The largest of the mounds is called Monk's Mound, and it stands 30 meters high. And it's a striking Wait, example of... Wait, you said of meters? Meters. So I get it. Can 90 we calculate feet. Okay, we can Roughly, we have the translation? Right, because a meter is pretty close to a yard, so I would say it's around 90 feet high. And it's a striking example of a complex chiefdom society with many satellite mound centers and numerous outlying hamlets and villages. 
Size estimates vary. UNESCO is more conservative. This agricultural society may have had a population of 10 to 20,000 at its peak between 1050 and 1150. It's kind of like me with numbers, like, you know, right. between 12,000 and 100. Right. Could have been a shack with a guy named Kevin or <laughs> 20,000 people. We're not sure. Somewhere any rate, in between. You know. Right. It was a major city. The Mississippian civilization left behind pottery, ceremonial art, games, and weapons. Mm. Their main weapon was fear. Fear and surprise. <laughs> now, their their uh, trade network was vast, stretching from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. Well, and what were their games? I mean, because... Parcheesi. You know... Big Parcheesi players. Game of cards I, with the devil, just, you know... Yeah, I don't know whether uh, they may have had ball courts, like in Mesoamerica, or... Let's find out. The mounds were a symbol of both earthly and religious power, and the city appears to have been a pilgrimage site of some kind with remains of what may have been a 5,000-square-foot temple at the top of Monk's Mound and evidence of human sacrifice on other mounds. A circle of posts west of Monk's Mound has been dubbed, dubbed Woodhenge because the posts clearly mark solstices and equinoxes. I, honest to God, I... <laughs> I mean, this is like you're reflecting comment earlier on like uh, right. I mean, I, like someone's I, gonna could have been a pen for sheep I and mean, you got 70 posts one of them's gonna line up with something right i, I don't know i should have more faith in other archaeologists um, but the true strength of cahokia as in all great metropolises was economic power because we know this how as archaeology timothy Pauquetat of the University of Illinois, notes, it just so happens that some of the richest agricultural soils in the mid-continent are right up against that area of Kaukia. Corn grew plentifully, produced surpluses, and the society grew rich. Then, seemingly inexplicably, it collapsed. By the time European colonizers set foot in American soil in the 15th century, these cities were already empty. I think so what, they uh, they tried capitalism in this. Uh, <laughs> right. That's what a, happened. It was a bunch of fake news. <laughs> One recent study suggests two natural climate change events. I told you it was fake. Several hundred years apart explain both of Cahokia's rise and fall. An unusually warm period called the medieval climate, climatic anomaly gave rise to the region's abundance and an abrupt cooling period called the Little Ice Age, brought on... It's not little, I don't know why you have to call it little. <laughs> brought on its end. Climatologists have found evidence showing how a drought in 1350 caused the pre-Columbian Mississippian corn industry to implode. That Imploding is a shame. Corn. It imploded. Which just made it popcorn. Then you add in mounting conflicts, violence as food grew scarcer. You know, 2021 is what we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> climatologist Broxton Bird. Right, Broxton Bird argues, I want to know about it, that the Mississippians left their cities and migrated to per places farther south, like present-day Georgia. Ooh. Or 
are these the Mesoamerican cultures like the Aztecs? Because we can't let Mexico have anything. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, it's us. We had mound builders too. <laughs> We're going to build a wall. No, I'm sorry. There'll be no damn walls. We should be careful of seeing in this contemporary language any close parallels to the situation major cities face in the 21st century. Just one link in the global supply chain that drives climate change today can employ 10 to 20,000 people. But perhaps it's possible to see that the distant indigenous past of North America, the not-so-future vision of a migratory future for the inhabitants of many cities around... That was some wordy shit, wasn't it? Holy crap. Well, he could I don't have even said know that. what that said. Yeah, I mean... If anyone out there is listening and would like to translate that from <laughs> arrogant professor ease into something my dumbass can understand, that'd be great. I mean, I mean, this this is not for you know just regular people. <laughs> well, we're definitely not regular people. <laughs> well, we should probably do maha mana and let people get back to their life because this has probably been like two hours or something. Yeah, I guess we've taken enough from them. <laughs> yeah, and I got to stick a commercial or two in there too, so people can pee. But um, yeah, well, you didn't let me go pee this whole time. You don't get to. There's no peeing. No, There's no peeing. No. You're on the clock. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You're mine for this two hours. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> right. <sighs> so, manamana. You've heard that it. is a classic. Oh, anyone who hasn't heard it is just missing out because it, it's there, beautiful. Yeah, it is a beautiful hymn of do 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 menomena do 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 menomena. And what are the what are the little ones called? What are the they have the names? The two puppets. They uh, Muppets. <laughs> I don't they, know. They have They're like pink and own, have horns. Don't they have their own names though? They have like a oh. I See, I've know. studied this. You might have I learned like the about the crazy hair the... guy that freaks out into the zip that did a do but time zip out the but that did a dow. I like him. I like I it when he starts singers. to walk away and then kind of like yell. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. Well, it's from porn. Excuse me? Throw that up. Yeah. <laughs> so. From... Porn. With guest vocalists ranging from Joanna Newsom to Mickey Rooney, the soundtrack to the Muppets reboot leaves no demographic, demographic unserved. But the song audiences are likely to be humming on the way out of the theater wasn't composed or even recorded for the new film. Jim Henson's immortal creations have lent their distinctive voices to plenty of great songs, being It's Not Easy, Being Green by Henson, um, Rainbow Connection, oh and then there's Menomena, which helped bring the Muppets to a rising finish, rousing finish. So Menomena is a catchy, you know, if not the most catchy song it could ever be. And like a fishing hook stuck in your tympanium. Lots of big word. Tymp- a fish hook yeah. stuck in your tympanium, yeah. your Tottenham. <laughs> Most people know the tune from a classic sketch that aired during the Muppet Show's 1976 premiere. Really? Is that where it's from? I always thought it was Sesame Street. But in which an orange-haired hep cat 
unsuccessfully tries to persuade two hot pink creatures with long disapproving snouts to get into the Menomina groove. But the bit goes back further, and the song further still, originating in all places, Italian softcore porn. And specifically, the movie called Sweden, Heaven and Hell. And uh, if you'd like to actually you, you see and hear the song. my childhood. I yes, mean, that's what I'm just, here for. You just, I mean, totally just. Yes, it's porn. It's porn. So, um, you know. Now, now you can picture it when you go watch uh, puppet porn. That exists, folks. <laughs> uh, in fact, the guy who did Debbie Does Dallas put one out called "Make My Puppets Come." I shit you not, and it is uh, disturbing, to say the least. But if you've seen Meet the Feebles, you're prepared for "Make My Puppets Come." But I digress. In I feel tradition, so innocent and pure compared and to dirty. you. I, <laughs> you know, I feel I like I to change like, that in '92, but I, in I feel like I'm so virtuous. <laughs> you are. <laughs> in the tradition of the shocking, factually questionable Mondo Kane, Heaven and Hell was styled as a documentary about Scandinavian sexuality which provided a thin veneer of respectability for its leering exploitation of lesbian nightclubs and meter maids who moonlight as nude models. In a scene where Viva La Sauna Sweeties, as the song was originally titled, that's hard to fit in there, makes its appearance, the camera follows a bevy of statuesque fur-swaddled blondes as they make their way through the snow to a sauna and then cuts to the same woman clad only in carelessly draped towels, giggling as they soak up the heat. Now, I don't I'm know. Still, I'm still stuck back on the meter maid. Like, the meter maid. I'm, I'm, I've got, like, a Beatles song in my head about Rita, and now I'm wondering if the Beatles were inspired, inspired by porn. You know? Can you hear well, that? The Beatles? No, the song. Oh, no, I think it's only in my ear. Oh, I have earphones on, kids. But anyway, it is the exact song, but in kind of like a 60s commercial kind of groove. But anyway, again, this will also be in the show notes, and you can actually see the scene from Inferno e Paradiso Svezia. And uh, actually see the all the blondes and furs walking into the little hut to do 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 manamana do 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 manamana do do. It is uh it'll change your childhood. Uh, it was composed by Piero Amiliani, and uh, in 1958, and uh, the classic big deal on Madonna Street. I guess was its first time it was used. But so yeah. So what is this thing about Jim Henson? What? He made the Muppets. But, like, the song. It he... was in the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me, lady? <laughs> I mean, was he watching porn? Because I can't. I just. Uh, I... Oh, right. Where did he come up with it? I think yeah, I where... have an answer to that. Where did he get so... it? Well, as Menomina climbed in the charts, the fledgling children's television workshop 
was struggling to settle on a format for their educational TV program, Sesame Street. So CTW's co-founder, Joan Gantz Coopley, had recently given the okay to bring in Jim Henson, whose Muppet characters had at that point been only seen in commercials and on variety programs like Ed Sullivan. So Henson, a bearded bohemian with no experience in children's programming, was something of an odd choice, but that was just what Coopley wanted for him. Minamina, as the character would come to be known, made his television debut on November 30th, 1969 on The Ed Sullivan Show. The setup is identical to the more familiar Muppet Show version, with Menomina's horse cat pitted horse hip cat pitted against the dulcet oh they're the doody do. That's <laughs> I guess what they're called, the doody do Oh well, see, they the did have a snouts. name. Yeah. yeah. Oh they are actually called Snout and Mouth, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm so lost. That sounds their like heads. names more from the porn. <laughs> right? And it's why they have those big snouty lips. Mm. But, uh, and they're always so disapproval, disapproving of him because Mary like, can you stop singing porn music? That'd be great. <laughs> Several of Henson's colleagues described his artistic style, uh, artistic style as affectionate anarchy. And it doesn't take much in the way of Exogenesis, blah, 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 snouts grow uneasy, Menomina eventually breaks free, blah, blah, blah. A rough draft of the Sullivan version appeared a few days earlier during the first season of Sesame Street. Here the performers were not the familiar characters, but three of what Henson and his colleagues called anything Muppets. So he was just, he was, oh, he was later given the name Bip Bipidata, was the name of the Menomina guy. The beatnik crazy hair. So did but, they actually say that he uh, kind of infused, uh, brought like his own little infusion of pleasant anarchy? Is that? Yeah. He was so, an odd bird. And if you read like Rainbow but, Connection and some of his songs, they are really strange. But, you know, I'm kind of inspired because I, I want to now, not only do I want to have the whole smoldering confusion, but I mean to be you consistent. You want to watch Italian 60s porn? Yeah, and be like a pleasant anarchist. I I, I mean, that's like, yes, yeah, Anarchism and porn. It's a good evening. Yeah. Sorry, we're going to have to go, folks. No. <laughs> I mean, are you going to be the snout and am I going to be the... <laughs> All right, thank you for tonight, everyone. I've got to go right now. I'm uh, going to look up a flight to Seattle, and uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> See, that, that's all it takes. It's that easy, ladies. It's, you know. Of course it's that easy. I'm a man. That's true. That's true. I'm climbing with a so. cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a cheeseburger. I'm in. It's so easy. I know. It's the truth. It is. Well, uh, thank you for coming on my show of shows. <laughs> shows of shows. Show of shows. Uh, I guess, you know, we can wait another 30 years. or No, <laughs> no I got your number now. It's all over. Um, I know. I was really impressed that I figured out how to use Skype. I mean, that's... 
I got my computer to actually restart. So us two geriatrics actually pulled this off. <laughs> I know. It it was kind of touch and go there for a while. It was. I need to I need to have a my, the uh, on one of the episodes I did a teen explains and that was great because every time something went wrong she fixed it so it was perfect. Mm-hmm. My daughter, the teen who explains things. We that's but, uh, why we had children. I mean, let's face I, it. <laughs> it is to explain us because. <laughs> Because shit's off the rails, and I don't have the slightest clue what's going on anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's like, they have to give something back to us. We, you know, mm. so I had you so that you could help me out, essentially. Cause I... <laughs> You're supposed to be helping me. <laughs> yes. yes. I knew the day would come. I knew and... the day would come, and I it's been like 20 years of it now. I, <laughs> I know. I need, I need help. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on here. Well, thank and, you for uh, having me. I, I know will, uh, I, I'm not. Draw you, you in know, again. I'm not a pro at this. You know, I'm a novice, and this is uh, so. I, I probably have bored. I wouldn't have you on if you were a pro. You'd make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, okay. I'll yes. take. Yes. Yes. We'll let people go about their lives now, and uh, then I will edit this and. Get it out to the people. I mean, let's face it. If they're still with us uh, through all of this, do they have much to go back to? No. It's no, cool. we're pretty the pretty much the end of the road yeah. by the time they get to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. I'll listen to this jackass and see what happens. Yeah, now he's, but, oh, now he's bringing in somebody from college. Oh, jeez. <laughs> college. <laughs> It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was 2020. It was, <laughs> it was 2020. God, wait, it was 1992. It sounds so long ago. Yeah, it really does. 92, something like that. Yeah. I still don't know what that dorm was called. But anyway, let's uh, sign off of here, and then <laughs> we can keep rambling on our own time. So, uh Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, if you'd like to help out the show, it'd be great if you would leave a review or a comment or whatever you can do on wherever you get your your top-notch podcast like this, whether it's Podbean or Apple or 70 other platforms I've never heard of. But uh, thank you for listening, and uh, I'm going to keep trying to get more shows out at least once a month. But you're probably going to get a couple in October, which is good because some things are coming around and working out. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll be back real soon. Good night, everyone. Say good night, T-Rez. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>